Hello and welcome to the Lost in Possession podcast. Three mates, three different teams, three very different opinions. Okay, coming up on today's show, we are now officially at the end of the football season. Sad face emoji. But it's time for the first ever Lost in Possession Awards, or the Lip Awards, if you like. So it's time for everybody that wins our award to make space on their trophy shelf, or if you're Harry Kane, actually have something to put on there, possibly. We are going to give out awards in a number of categories, and then we're going to most likely vote on who we think would be best. But of course, with our different opinions, we're probably just going to argue it instead. So the categories are as followed. Most improved signing, or most improved player, I should say. Best signing, flop of the season, goal of the season, surprise of the season, best newcomer, best comeback, as in best game comeback. And then we round it off with a big three with manager of the year, young player of the year, and of course, player of the year. So there's going to be some very interesting nominations for this, I am sure. So I think we should get the ball rolling. No drum rolls required. Let's start with most improved player of the season. So I'm sure we've all got three different players here and it's going to be interesting to see who we've got. Let's start with you, Jordan. Who is your most improved player? So there was definitely a few in contention for me, um, but I landed on Jared Bowen in the end. Um, I think he's been absolutely phenomenal this season. Um, He's not been known as that player traditionally for West Ham who's going to get, you know, 10 plus goals and a a ton of assists. Um, You know, he he was always known before for hard work and, and, you know, running about causing, you know, defenders problems. This season, though, he's completely taken his game. He's elevated his game to a completely different level. Um, He's been West Ham's best player, in, in my opinion. Absolute standout not just in the Premier League, to be fair, although this is what, you know, that's what it's judged on. Um, in every competition, he's been a standout. Um, and for me, yeah, Jared Bowen, hands down, wins most improved. Jamie, who have you gone for? Um, I've gone for a bit of a different option. Um, I've actually gone Joe Linton. For Newcastle, he's just been a different player. Obviously, probably not at the start of the season where Newcastle weren't great, but he seems to have been dropped back into more of the sort of centre mid role, and he's just flourished, I think. And I've heard I've heard a lot of Newcastle sort of, sort of talking about him, saying how how good he has been for them. And when I watched him against City, um, to be fair, both both home and away, they he was someone who was just a different he just looked a different player so yeah he's the one who would get into my most improved considering how bad that transfer looked at the start no yeah very interested on both there and you've actually given me a lot to think about already um i've actually gone for something that i'm sure you both disagree with um the reason I've gone for this is, I will explain in a minute, I've actually gone for Diego Jota as the most improved player. Yep, I can see you roll your eyes. <laughs> I'm, I'm aware, I know he's a good player, and I know he's a very good player, but I think he's carried a lot of the weight on his shoulders for Liverpool this year. I mean, you could say that Liverpool would 
they'd still be where they are without him. But I think in the case of, you know, when Mane's been absent or Salah's been absent, even Firmino, I think he's carried it very, very well. He's contributed with goals, he's contributed with assists, and he's been an all-round threat in the box. And his game has improved. And, and a lot of players, or a lot of teams, you take off one of those players and you think, who can I bring on that's going to change the game for us? And I think he is that player now. I think he's surprised a lot of people and shown a lot more leadership and quality than I think we already knew he had, but he's shown it in a lot more different ways. His all-round game has improved. And I think, yeah, I think he could cement himself in that first in that first team squad next season. Interesting. So, to be fair, I find that quite interesting that you said Jota. The reason why I would slightly disagree with that is the fact when Liverpool signed him, I think they signed him in January last year. He actually hit the ground running. He, I think he, I think I saw the stats. So he scored just under ten goals in half the season, which is obviously quite good considering he was he wouldn't be starting every game with sort of Firmino up front. And I think he kind of embedded himself already into that. If you sort of said this to me, like with that last half of the season, then I'd kind of agree because I did think at the time it was a bit of a weird signing for Liverpool. Obviously, they do a lot more research than I would. But that's where I would come down on, say, I don't think he's improved as much as, say, the other two. Yeah, I'd agree. I don't think he's signed. Um, I don't think he's most improved. I think he, from day one at Liverpool, he, he did unexpectedly well. Um, I wouldn't say most improved, but maybe... I guess that brings us nicely onto the sign of the season because he probably would have been the sign of the season last season for me. So are we going for like one award per all three of us in agreement? Or I think that's going to be hard with these awards. We'll end up um, debating a few. I don't know. I mean, being as you guys disagree with mine so much, even though we did get about 21 goals in all competitions, um, I, I'm going to have the casting vote on this one. <laughs> and I'm actually going to say Jolinton is the most improved because I think he, Jared Bowen come in with a bit of form at Hull, you know, and he was all right. He, he's always going to be an all right player. I don't think he's going to be a world-class player. But I think Jolinton, I, I agree. Like, if you think how, you know, how poor he was, like, and I'd seen him play when he'd not long signed for Newcastle and he was, he was not good. You know, and all that money spent on him and everything like that, he, he just didn't look a good player. And, and he's completely been revitalised just by a slight position change. So it's going to have to go to Jolinton. I think when they signed him, he could have easily been flop of the year in that season that they signed him. Obviously, that was a f two seasons ago. But yeah, to now come on and actually be first team player for Newcastle, OK, in a different position. But I think I think he does deserve it. Fair enough. I think I think now then, okay, then so in that case, then Jolinton, I'm sure you're gonna have to look forward to this. Let give us your address and we'll we'll send you your trophy in the post. <laughs> Maybe a voucher or something like that. I don't know. Maybe um, something like this, you know. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> we'll, put, that we'll, we'll put put his name on it as well, so we can personalise <laughs> it. And if you can just send us a picture with it, that'd be great. <laughs> okay, so if we move on to in that case, then signing of the season. Now it was a very busy transfer window for every club, just about. A lot of signings, some good, some bad. I think this one again will spark some debate. Jamie, let's start with you. Who's been your signing of the season and why? 
do justify it. I'll be honest, I struggled to find one that I thought was the standout. I don't think there's been that many exceptional signings that have just worked. I think, yeah, you can see some that will be mentioned probably in the flop of the season and things like that. But I've actually gone with, um, I will pronounce this wrong, Kulaveski at Spurs. Um, I think he's just come in and done phenomenally well, quite a young age. And I just think he's helped with the sort of, obviously it used to be just Son and Kane, Son and Kane. But he's come in and sort of taken that position where there are other people who are slightly failing at take cementing themselves as that third in the front three. So, yeah, he's mine for this season. So I went for a different one. I think, again, it was out of three. Um, one I chose, Bruno at Newcastle and Kulisevsky, I think it's done really well as well. Um, but for me, it was Conor Gallagher. Um, no transfer fee paid, obviously. It, it was a loan deal, so they've not had to commit anything up front. Um, and we've all said multiple times, I think you made our team in the best 11 as well. Gallagher has come in, transformed that Palace team, you know, Yes, there's other good players, but, you know, he's one, a lone player is one Crystal Palace's player of the season. So that in itself tells you everything you need to know. Pundits alike, fans have all been saying how good he was. Um, and part of the reason that Palace have been so successful is because of the signing of Conor Gallagher. Um, and the fact they didn't have to pay any money for it makes it even better signing for me. Yeah, very fair points. Um I've I've been torn between about four players here, so I'm going to choose one. And I'm going to give some honorary mentions. Um, I'm actually going to go with Diaz at Liverpool. Um, I think for someone to be brought in in January and to actually have such a significant impact is is very very rare. And he's hit the ground running. You know he's been contributing left, right, and centre, and his all round game has just been world class. And I think I think Liverpool will only get better with him in the side. So I'm going to give it to Diaz. I, I think fully deserves it. But honorary mentions do go to Kulaveski, you know, and I do think Konate at Liverpool has been very, very good. Um, and I, I also put Ben White in there because I think a lot of people laughed at the £50 million price fee. But if you look at the way he's played as a defender, that defence has been rock solid. And a lot of that's because of him. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with Diaz on this. Who do I give the casting vote to? Oh, dear. Well, I was going to say, I think you both mentioned Kulisevsky and he was third on my list. So he's probably just edged it, I'd say. Yeah. Okay. I think also what slightly, I know what you're saying with the Diaz, I think slightly goes against him is the half the, se half the season. I know, to be fair, Kulisevsky hasn't actually been playing the whole season either. I think that slightly can go against him. Um but he also, you mentioned about being on loan. He's also on loan at Spurs, technically, although there's a buyout clause, which I'm sure will be accepted either this summer or next. I think that's the way. It's like a two-year loan. But I'm happy to take two, two out of two with my choices. <laughs> was he half-season signing Kulisevsky? Yeah, he signed he... in January on an 18-month loan, I think. Uh, I, th I feel like Gallagher's been robbed here, to be fair, but... Is what it is. I didn't realise that. I'll be totally honest. Yeah, he's been playing all season. Yeah. I, I think Kulaveski. I'd say Kulaveski then. I think that's fair. So, again, Kulaveski, your trophies in the post for some IKEA furniture as well. 
Fuck. <laughs> okay, then. So we go from the best signing of the season to now the flop of the season. Again, you've got to justify your answers here. Stats can help, but it'd be nice to know why you think this player has not been very good. Um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would have a lot of agreements here. So I'm going to get the ball rolling on this one. I'm going to say the flop of the season for me has been Romelu Lukaku. I know I'm not Jack Grealish's biggest fan and I never have been, but his all-round game for City has actually not been that bad. He's playing a different way, so I'll, I'll give him his dues there. But Lukaku has... He's not been very good. Not not just on the pitch, but the way he's handled himself off of it has not been very ideal. You know, I understand why he wanted to come back to Chelsea, but don't do interviews telling everyone why you love Inter Milan and why you're not enjoying it at Chelsea. Just, just don't do that. So I think for the price they paid for him and the way it all worked out, it's, it's just not been good for him. Jamie, what do you think? Yeah, um, to be fair, I was split between two players and still ain't going to like it because they're both at Chelsea. So Lukaku's one, Lukaku's one, it sort of, he started off well, that's the thing. He went into a game, I remember, against Arsenal when they were getting thumped for the first three games, but he bullied that defence. He was exactly what you wanted from Lukaku. Then it sort of, it, he's possibly fallen out with Tuchel or he doesn't like the way Chelsea play. But you don't go and make an interview like that, especially, I think it just came out at an awful time when Chelsea started dropping a few points. Like, if you're not happy and they're winning, you don't really have any backbone to stand on. I get that. So it's not really going to come out then. But to do it the way he did when Chelsea sort of were, I think they were top of the table, possibly a few games before to do and do that does hamper sort of the derailment of the season. Now the other person was um was a loan signing was Saul. Now he was meant to come in and help with the midfield with sort of you getting some injuries with Kante and Jorginho and Kovacic or three of them were getting this. He he came in and I think his first game he got either subbed at half-time or even before that. And I think after that, he just never recovered. He then got put into the left-wing-back left, back, left wing back position. I don't know if he played... He might have even done right-wing-back position as well. And I think for someone who was looking to go, right, I'm done with Atletico, I'm coming to the Premier League, to a top side, I'm going to cement my position. He looked like a fairly good signing, considering it was on loan. And to do how poorly he has... I think he's got to be in consideration. Go on, Jordan. Let's go. With, uh, go so I've got to defend, defend on all fronts. Obviously, Sal, Sal, we know, didn't work out. But at the end of the day, it's a loan signing. It doesn't matter. Risk. It, it, he's a good player. He was at Atletico. It's a very low-risk signing for us. Him being signed on a loan does not really cost us any money. It's not cost us anything. So no, it's not. It's not a criticism of che- like it's not a criticism of Chelsea wasting money. If that makes sense, it's just he's been bad. Yeah, yeah, and yeah not I'd agree. Done anything, if you get what I mean, rather yeah, than um, this isn't this isn't slagging off Chelsea. It's just him and his performances, really. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then with with Lukaku, obviously with, with a hundred mil price tag, um, he was always going to be in contention. Uh, for me, in, in the end, it was a coin flip. Well, not a coin flip, but I've got stats. But it was between Grealish and, and Lukaku, both 100 mil signings, both ridiculously priced signings. 
Um, now, looking at the stats, obviously Lukaku's got a lot of shit and, and the interview obviously made it all a lot worse. But the stats I'm looking at, he got 15 goals and 29 starts, which is not great. And, and we can all agree that he's not delivered. He's not delivered based on what everyone thought. You know, everyone was saying we're going to win the league because of Lukaku. So expectations versus reality. I get why he's in there. But 15 goals in 29 starts isn't absolutely abhorrent. Do you know what I mean? So on the flip side, when you look at Grealish, again, 100 mil player, um, for all the hype and how good he was at Villa, I think people will now remember Grealish's season more for he, his, his words when drunk. That, you know, that, that's the most he's done for City, is, is, is make a few jokes when drunk. So stats on Grealish, 28 games uh, played, three goals, three assists. So yes, Lukaku will get more, will get more stick because he's a striker, but I'd rather have 15 goals than, than three goals and three assists. So for me, I'd just edge Grealish. Grealish isn't, doesn't need to score goals for Man City. His overall pass completion is like in the highest. He runs into the box more. He wins them more fouls. His overall game is a lot more important for City. So I, I can't I can't see him as a... Yeah, 100 mil. 100 mil and you're scoring yeah, three goals, three assists. That in the first place. Like, you know I've been critical of him even at Aston Villa. I never thought he was that great. But his overall oh, wow. game for Man City has been, has been just fine. He's not... I, 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 I still disagree. I don't think he's had a single... You both spoke about Lukaku, where you know you saw against Arsenal, he absolutely booted him. So he's he's had a good game, but that's not against Villa. <laughs> against no, no, I know, I know, but <laughs> against Villa, he did the same thing. Whereas Grealish, Grealish hasn't had a single standout performance where you're like, oh yeah, he's been amazing. Um, I will so disagree I think... with. I will disagree with that because he was in the Manchester derby. He was the player. He was the player that kicked off the game. I know. I think De Bruyne got the sort of pundit sort of like applause and everything, but that was because he put the ball in the back of the net. But if you look at both his goals, they were like, they were in the penalty box and it was sort of more cross to him or fell to him. And he scored where Grealish that day, I think just, I think he's pretty much ruined Wan-Bissaka's year from just that. He's not recovered at all. He's been awful anyway, but I get what you're saying with the hundred million price tag. Sort of when you sign someone for a hundred million, you're expecting more. Um, like I'm not going to say he's been a success because he hasn't. He's not got into the first team properly. Um, I would say under Pep, it takes a year to get into the sort of rhythm of everything. You'll see. I've seen that with Mares. I've seen that with Bernardo Silva. There's been a few others. I do agree with the hundred million. It was overpriced, but. That was that's the point of a release clause. Just get it done, kind of, in that sort sort of way. He has had some of the performances, but I think he's not caused problems though either. So when he's come in, he's not as if he's dropped to three out of ten, or like because you've got to go with the Palace performance Lukaku had. I know it's just one game. He had seven touches. Yes, it was under, it was under ten, kind of. That's all I, I remember, and it's sort of then the off the field thing. I think just adds to it, but in too fair out of the, I I still go with Sal was the worst out of the three. Just have I, he hasn't done anything right, <laughs> but obviously I know it's a loan deal, so that does factor into over the two hundred million. 
pound players. Yeah, I I think if you've got to, if you're going to give Grealish slack and go, oh, it takes him a year under Pep, then you've got to give the same for Lukaku. The I only think. difference, I well, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. To be fair, like I do, I'm not saying he was a success because he wasn't. I just think the off the field the problems have made it a lot worse for Lukaku. Yeah. He's yeah, he's brought about more criticism on himself, but at the end of the day, I, I still personally think both Grealish and Lukaku will both be a lot better next season. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I would agree. So you yeah. give it soul then. I'm happy to. Yeah, I don't mind. I'm not telling Lukaku. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> give it to Thal. I mean, you are right. He he has been poor. Like, it, it's been very, very bad from him. So I don't think, I think he's been subbed off at half-time or before that. Twice, yeah. Tw- oh, twice, yeah. I yeah. know it was more than once. So it's kind of, it's just not worked out for him at all. And we won't be seeing him next season. Definitely at Chelsea. <laughs> I don't. Okay, I think I think we can all agree that Sol probably deserves that then if we take everything else into consideration. Okay, interesting. Well, Sol, your your reward is on its way. Um, we'll send it back to Spain. Don't we? <laughs> yeah, we'll send it to the Atletico Stadium. We'll make sure Simeone gives it to you. <laughs> Absolutely fine. Okay, then that's interesting. So, okay, we move on from flop now to actual goal of the season. Okay, there's been some weldies. Um, throughout the course of the season, volleys or beautiful football where it results going into the back of the net, you know, anything like that or importance of the goal as well can always be remembered. I think I think we are probably going to draw it down to quite a, quite an obvious couple here. So, Jordan, let's start with you. What, what would you say is your goal of the season? So, I was very, very tight on two. Um, both games involved Liverpool. Um, first and foremost, it was between Mo Salah's solo goal uh, against Man City, the little run, cut inside, sort of goal. I think it was near post or something like that. Um, and it was also between that and Kovacic's sort of scissor kick volley um, against Liverpool. Um, both world-class, both unreal for different reasons. Um, I've got to go with the goal that I, I, I saw in person, so I can definitely vouch for how ridiculous it was. Um, yeah, I'll go with Kovacic. Simple reason is if you watch it back, that you see volleys every season, you see screamers every season, you see a bit of solo goals every season. I've never seen a volley with that technique where he, if you watch it close, it's up in the air, but he's he's walking backwards. So he's like walked backwards two steps whilst it's in the air and then scissor kicked it forward. I've not seen that technique ever before. It's just ridiculous. And I don't think you'll ever see that technique again. Um, plus, the, obviously, the, the big it was a big game as well. I think it drew us level at 2-2. Um, and obviously, I saw it in person. So, I'm just going to go with Kovacic for the volley against Liverpool. Um, I'll go next. And to be honest, it was more... I want to mention one goal before I mention who I've picked. It was not mentioned in any of the sort of goal of the season contenders and I was very surprised it was Bernardo Silva against Villa earlier on in the season where it come from it was pretty much a counter-attack from City where it's good play on in our box it's gone down the other end and it's gone to Bernardo Silva crossed in and he said it first time I think left foot 
sort of open open foot on the edge of the box and it's gone sort of like just just under the bar kind of thing and I'm just surprised it wasn't in the contention really that's why I wanted to mention it because I've seen the other goals I watched them before we filmed this and I was like some of them I was just like yeah it's a good goal but it's not quite that much of a standout I think the goal has to be Salah against City I wasn't very happy at the time seeing it and I, there are little points of that where I think defensively wasn't very good, but you got to give all credit to Salah for that goal. Um, I think it was the far post, by the way, Jordan. But yeah, yeah I think it was a sort of it was a quality goal, um, and that's probably my goal of the season, unfortunately, because it's against City. Fair play. I was torn between those two goals in particular. <clears throat> And obviously, a couple of blinding goals I've seen at Sunday League level this season, but obviously they don't. <laughs> um, but I would probably give it to Kovacic's goal versus Liverpool. I, Salah's was good, but I expect that of Salah, that sort of quality like that. The way Kovacic, who is a good player, just hit it right into that top corner. It couldn't have got more close to the top corner if it tried. Just, the old, you know, it was just blinded. Like most players... When you two, I believe they were two one down at the time, or was it they two nil down at the time? One of the two. And most players wouldn't have dared go for it. They would have tried to pass it, or you know the importance of trying to get that goal. So yeah, I'm going to give it that, and I think I think that was a huge, huge monumental goal. And and obviously, I suppose the argument would be if if he hadn't scored that, Liverpool would, I suppose, would have gone on to actually win the league. Theoretically, yeah, yeah I agree. There's a funny, for those who have seen the video, there's a funny guy in the front row of Chelsea as well who's literally looking down at his phone for the whole goal. Um, that got shared everywhere. And, and yeah, he literally missed the best goal of the season by by texting. Quite interesting you've gone for that, to be fair, because while it was a quality goal, I still think it's a sort of a volley outside the area. I've seen... Seen similar, I'm not saying exactly. I know he's back with that technique. I promise you, you've not seen that technique before. Yeah, also, well, I'm it's, it's, two, it's two against one, but <laughs> I, I don't actually think it was as outstanding as I think you're making it to be perfectly honest. But no, I've got, to, I've got to concede. Watch it again, watch it again. I watched it just before. Let's move on. <laughs> Going for Kovacic then. All right. Okay, so surprise of the season. Now, this is where a, a team that has surprised us. However, I want us to choose two each here. The reason I want us to choose two is I want us to have a positive surprise and a negative surprise. So one that you thought, oh, I never expected to do this well, or the other to be, well, I never thought they'd be this bad. Um, so, so you're going to get a, probably quite a good little mix here. I want to start with you, Jamie. Who is your positive surprise of the season? And then let us know who your negative surprise of the season would be. I think the positive might be unanimous here, but I'm going to say that before you two have picked. But I think it's got to be Brentford. You're looking at Brentford and sort of when they came up, obviously they came up through the playoffs. You're thinking, can they sort of do it? Obviously, it's I can't remember if it how long it's been mm. since they've been in the top flight. But it was quite a long time. So you thought, mm, 
they're probably going to be roughly around the bottom. But they were never actually in trouble of going down. They had, a, I think they started off very well, obviously beating Arsenal on the first day at home. I think that suited them and did definitely didn't suit Arsenal. But they've performed very well and they've not, it's not as if they've been, they've, they've been entertaining as well. Like you've got to think of it, it's not just the, obviously they had the Arsenal game, they had the Liverpool 3 3 game where teams would just be like dead and buried at some points and just sort of give up, whereas they just kept going. And I think Thomas Frank's done a fantastic job there. So, yeah, I'll go with Brentford as my positive. Uh, for my positive, I disagree, actually. I, I went with, with Palace. Um, as soon as Vieira took over, they were already basically favourites to get relegated. Um, I'm pretty sure people actually had them more likely to get relegated than Brentford. Um, he had a few ageing squad, a few people, like older people in the squad that he needs to get rid of. There's a few youngsters to bed in, but Palace hadn't been great. Um, and we've all, again, waxed lyrical about how well Vieira's done. So I think my positive surprise of the season is how well Palace performed, nowhere near the relegation zone. Also got to the FA Cup semi-final. That's a big deal. A trip to Wembley, that's a massive deal. Um, so they really surprised me this season in a positive light. Okay, really interesting. I, I think both of those have been very feel-good stories. Um, the only reason I'm going for this choice is because I thought Palace would be just fine anyway, and I, I, I thought Brentford would stay up. So they've not been too much of a big shock for me. I've actually gone for... My surprise has actually been Liverpool, because I had them to finish fourth at the start of the season. And the fact that they've played in every possible game available to them, won two domestic trophies, almost won a third, could potentially, you know, it, it it's just been an amazing season. And I think I think they deserve a lot of credit because I think none of us expect them to play in every single game possible to see them, you know, and to reach the final in those what's been available to them and all of that just deserves a lot of credit. I have to I have to give it to them because it's been a it's been a pleasant surprise and hopefully they can push on from there. I wouldn't say a pleasant surprise. I think people got to disagree. I think with how many people were actually cheering on City, I don't think anyone has that as a pleasant surprise. But yeah, yeah, yeah but done. you want to you want to see a tight race. No one wants to see City win the league by fifteen points. It's boring. Even for City, it's got to be boring. Yeah, they've they've put they've pushed you all. Boring, boring, to be perfectly honest. No one expected. Yeah, you're not going to that limit. Yeah. No, no, no. They've done phenomenally well. Like I can't disagree on that peak of um, sort of com competition, really. And I think I think that's why they deserve a lot of credit. I think a lot of us, most of us probably would have thought, okay, they'll be there and thereabouts anyway. But I think a lot of us, quite a lot of people did put third, fourth for Liverpool because there, there wasn't anything that we, anybody yeah. thought, yeah. oh, they've done this, they've done this well, but they've just pushed on. You know, yeah, Pete, sorry, no, I was just going to say, because as you said, like everyone, although everyone written them off, you know, everyone written them off to third. So they've gone from third, you know, to second. Palace have gone from potentially getting relegated to what tenth, similar but similar with Brentford as well. The expectation versus reality has been a lot higher than you know one league position. No, it's okay. more because but you also got to think that everyone just thinks Liverpool right off the cups because that's what they've previously done. So it's kind of I don't know if it's like Klopp just sort of gone actually we'll try in the comp the cup competitions not the Champions League that's a different matter but the League Cup and the FA Cup 
they've done well in them, obviously winning them um, two two nil nil draws, wasn't it? Um, and on penalties, but it's, it's been a credit to them to play every single game. Obviously, City last season were one off that with Chelsea beating them in the semi final and then obviously beating us in the final. But yeah, you have to give a lot of credit to Liverpool. I just think it's more. I I personally wasn't seeing Brentford doing that great. To be fair, I wasn't seeing Palace doing that great because they had a lot of people out of contracts. Yeah, from Liverpool, I still expect them to be up there. I get that you're adding in the other competitions, but I probably concede and go Palace due to the fact they got to the semi-final of the FA Cup. But that's kind of where, yeah, I'll, I'll concede and go Palace. That's that's fair enough. I'd only disagree with the Palace just because I saw Vieira's work at New York, um, New York City, and he did a decent job at Nice. Not 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 sort of as much as he could have done, but I, I, that's why I sort of disagree. But I I think Crystal Palace fair enough considering how he's rechanged that squad. In a short space yeah. of time. Looking, it's, it's, it's a different style. He's changed the style of football massively as well, and to do that in less than a year or just about a year, yeah, um, yeah he deserves a lot of credit start as well. You know, his start wasn't very great, so he did turn it around. No, that's fair enough. Um, okay, then so it will go to Vieira and and his Palace side. What about negative surprise of the season where, where the team have been so below par? I think I think we, we might actually agree on this one. Um, I'm going to start. I'm going to say... I'll give an honorary mention first. I'm actually going to say Everton as an honorary mention because they've been shambolic. Um, enough said about that. But I'm going to say Man United. You know, I think everyone jumped on, got a little bit excited after their first game of the season, beating Leeds 6-1. But, but overall, I mean, those players shouldn't be anywhere near fifth. You know, they should be comfortably in that top four place. And, and that they've been poor, very, very poor all season. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're absolutely right there. They weren't even fifth. They were sixth and it was comfortable. It was, what, 11 points to Arsenal. At the start of the season, they were talking about they're going to go and win it. Um, it's just, no. <laughs> they just, it was sort of under Ollie. It just never, it was never something that I was ever worried about. I never had them winning the league, even though you were talking Ronaldo, Varane, Sancho coming in in the summer. They're great. They're great sort of players. But I was never like, they're going to win it. They're still, they still didn't sound like they were going to be better than City, Liverpool or Chelsea. It was, yeah, it was more, can that, they should have been doing better than what they have. And to finish on zero goal difference is just embarrassing. And, and they're lucky. Table as well. You, if you're in the top eight, yeah. time, you shouldn't be in a, you know, you shouldn't be on a break-even goal difference. You should be in a positive. Even if it's, even if it's plus one, you can't justify being that high with that. But that just shows how poor they've been. And if anything, Lucky they've been to it. It's not been worse. Yeah, and with West Ham on the final day, if they go, if they they went one nil up against Brighton, if they do that, then United are in the Conference League. And yeah, I, I don't see any other team but United. It's been a joy to watch them be absolutely useless. And I long may it continue. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. A again, Everton, sort of honourable mention. Um, they were a little bit plagued with injuries and, and the Rafa appointment obviously caused a bit of 
kind of controversy and stuff. So I think that kind of triggered Everton, but, but Everton don't belong in the relegation zone, as we know. But not even not even close. Man United have to be the bad surprise of the season. The squad they've got, um, you know, yeah, the, the money spent over sort of a decade. Um, you know, we talk about City and their money. United have spent more. United have spent a billion and got, almost got nothing to show for it. Um, to, to Z- Jamie touched on it, zero, zero goal difference. When you've got Cristiano Ronaldo up front, you've got Sancho for 80 mil, you've got Rashford, you've got um, even Lingard, who we saw how good he can be at West Ham. And then you, on the flip side, you know, everyone was waxing lyrical about Luke Shaw. Uh, you know, I made my opinions clear on Shaw, but Shaw, Wan-Bissaka, Varane and, 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 and Maguire. How on earth is that team on a zero goal difference? It's absolutely abysmal. Um, and you're right, they, even on the last day when they need a result to get in Europa League, they still go and lose and luckily get sorted out by Brighton. But honestly, yeah, United by, by far and away uh, the bad surprise of the season. And I, I don't see Ten Hag pulling off a miracle, to be honest. It's been the manner of the defeats as well. Like, yeah. It's not like they've been unlucky. They, they've been awful. Like outplayed, outplayed at home constantly as well. Even at the start of the season, like other than beating a very poor Leeds team, they, they were beat, beaten off the park by Wolves, really, and got a late winner. I was just going to mention that. That Wolves game, honestly, absolutely abused. Yeah, That's when they couldn't score there. goals. And, yeah. and you'd have to argue as well, um, if you, Real Madrid were happy to let Varango. They have to ask themselves, okay, yeah, we're getting a good player, but why are they letting him go? You know, it, I think questions do get asked, have to be asked about that because fair enough, they signed him because of his big name, but Real Madrid let him go for a reason. You know, I think United would have been better off going for Alaba if they could have got him, but, you know, they've just been poor. Poor, so, so poor. And, and they again, they were lucky to not have made it much worse. Agreed. Yeah, you got to think of the games like Liverpool 5-0 and then they had City the next week and we won 2-0 and we weren't out of second gear. Then you've got at, Liv- um, at Liverpool, that game was pretty much over in the first sort of like 10 minutes. City away. Then you've got um, the Brighton game, I think, just summed up the season where Brighton are not the, the, flo- the free-flowing goal-scoring team. Like they're a good team, but they just don't score enough goals. And then they they could have scored. Uh, I think when I watched it, I, I was like, if they scored seven here, it wouldn't have even flattered Brighton. It was that how bad United were. But yeah, so I think United is the unanimous yeah, decision. Wholeheartedly. <laughs> Their first trophy since 2017. And that's the <laughs> negative surprise of the season. So congratulations, Manu. You know, just keep that in mind. Okay, and this leads us nicely to best newcomer of the season. Now, of course, you can have best signing, um, but this one's a little different. Um, the best newcomer can't have played at this uh, the Premier League before, um, so that immediately means it has to be someone coming from abroad or from division below, or perhaps making even an appearance as a first-teamer from, say, Youth Academy, somewhere like that. Um, and, of course, they can't have transferred between clubs, because obviously if they've played... You know what I mean. So I'm going to start with the best newcomer uh, nomination and I'm going to go back to my old mate, Luis Diaz at Liverpool. Um, half a season, 
what an impact. You know, I don't I don't need to say any more. I, I think he's been great. Um, Jamie, I'm sure you might disagree. I, I'm hoping you'll actually agree with me because I've backdropped so many times. Um, I think I'm going to have to agree with his impact that he's had. <laughs> um, yeah, his impact has been great. Um, I obviously got to see him before he moved to Liverpool when he played for um, it was Porto, um, scored against us. Um, unfortunately, but he ha- he has been great, and it's sort of it's not easy to change that front three, especially on the wings, because it's sort of seen Salamane, whoever can get down the front. So we had Jota and Firmino, but he's actually come in and he's like gone right. The left side is mine. Mane move over. Um, obviously, it's not every game, but it's been when they've when they've gone for their strongest team. That's what they pick. Um, yeah, I don't think there's much more to be said. I think he's been a really good signing and he's made a good impact on his start of the season. Um, the only other player I want to mention is Newcastle's Bruno. Um, I watched him against City and honestly, he could be playing for City. He looks that type of quality. I think Newcastle have done brilliant to actually sign him. I think he's got a bit of a hothead, but if he does, if he stays calm, just plays his football, he's going to be such a brilliant signing for Newcastle. But yeah, I'll go with Diaz in the end. We've got to stop giving these half-season kids awards. <laughs> um, it's got to be a whole season, but yeah, obviously I can't win it. It's two to one already, but I'll, I'll use this opportunity to shout out two two debutants, um, both defenders. Both kind of come out of nowhere. So the first one is obviously for Liverpool, Canate. Um, smooth, smooth transition into that team. Like he's been there for years. Obviously, it helps having Van Dijk. Um, but he he's unbeaten in a Liverpool shirt and it's been about 25-odd games, um, which is just silly. I know obviously Liverpool have been in a great run, but he, he deserves a lot of credit. He's got a few goals in there as well. Um, so Canate is definitely one. The other one, funnily enough, is also unbeaten when he started. Um, in, in both 90 and 120 minutes. And that's Nathaniel Chalabar. So definitely a left field pick. No other teams will give him any credit because they're not watching him on a week-to-week basis. But Chalabar was on a loan in, in you know, a low league team in, in, in the French league. No one expected him to get into our squad this season. He's been brought through by Tuchel. Every single game he's played pretty much, he's had, you know, at least an eight out of 10 performance. He's unbeaten still when he started the game. Um, he scored a few goals as well. Sorry, Trevor Chalabar. Nathaniel Chalabar is his brother. Sorry, Trev. Let you down. Um, but yeah, so he's, yeah, as I said, he's unbeaten. He's young. No one expects him to come into that team. Um, and he's, he's delivered. Again, probably helps having Thiago Silva by your side. Um, but for me, yeah, Chalabar and Canate, obviously I'm outvoted either way, but they both deserve notable shout-outs. No, yeah, that's that's absolutely fair enough. I think Chalabar has done well. You know, he's played at the lower divisions, chucked in a bit at the deep end, but he's been very consistent. So, yeah, he deserves a lot of credit there. But I, I think an honorary mention deserves to go to, again, I, I know I've mentioned him before on this podcast, but Alisi at Crystal Palace. I think he's going to be some player if he, if he, you know, continues with the way he's been doing. So, yeah, I think we'll have to give it to Lewis Diaz. And I think I think a lot of people would agree with that. Okay, this one's going to be an interesting one. Well, 
maybe not so much. I can imagine there's one obvious one in this, but best comeback of the season. So this is, of course, in a match, um, not necessarily a player comeback, um, but a best comeback from a team. So this could be, you know, when they've been 1-0 down, 3-1 down, you know, anything like that. Um, it'd be interesting to see why this is the case. Yeah, it might have been an exciting match. Any comeback is exciting. But why that holds such significance, do you think? Okay. So, Jordan, let's start with you. What would you say was the best comeback of the season? So, for me, the two I can remember, the, the two most memorable are obviously the, the most recent, which I think Jamie's probably going to pick. Uh, I'll say probably. <laughs> um, uh, the City obviously come back against Villa, 3-2. Um, the other one for me, and I, I've just edged to this one, just because of the team who came back, is the Spurs v Leicester game. Now, that was absolutely... It was... You'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but there was five minutes added time and I'm pretty sure on 94-14 on the clock, Leicester were 2-1 up. So I don't know what the odds would have been for a Spurs comeback. You know, Spurs aren't known as the team to, to stage sort of late character comebacks. Um, it was a tough away game for Leicester where they'd actually been, you know, they'd been knocking on the door. But to, to somehow, it doesn't even make sense how you can concede two goals that quickly. But you've got 45 seconds left on the clock and somehow Leicester have collapsed and Spurs have, have scored two in, in basically 45 seconds to win the game away. Um, that was a huge, huge moment and a huge turning point in their season, in my opinion. And that's part that comeback is part of what gave them the belief to kind of go on this rally to, to get the top four. Um, so for me, I've just gone with the Spurs comeback against Leicester, just edging it over the city. Um, I can go next. I think there's sort of there was three in contention for me. Um, I'll give my sort of honourable mentions was Brentford versus Liverpool. They were three one down at home. Was it three one? Sorry, but it was like the game looked sort of dead and buried really for them. I think it was. It might have been. It was close and basically you thought Liverpool had won this game, and Brentford come back for a three three draw at home, which when watching it was sort of, I was very happy wanting Liverpool to drop points, but it was sort of just the way they pulled themselves out. It's not a full comeback, so that's why they're not obviously, I don't think anyone else is going to really pick pick them. Then, yeah, as Jordan said, the Spurs game, they scored in the 95th and the 97th minute. Like, that's just ridiculous. Sort of, I've seen late comebacks. I was there for the Aguero moment. And it's, it's much later than that. The first goals to, to draw is later than the Aguero goal, let alone go and get a winner after that. I don't know what happened with Leicester to even allow that. It just shouldn't be allowed that, that late because there's generally seconds to play. And yeah, and it was at Leicester were at home as well, which obviously makes it even sort of more sort of how did that happen? Um, I am going to go for City, obviously, with the comeback versus Villa, and that's due to the pressure of what it meant. You're 2-0 down, and to come back for 2-2 probably means you don't win the title. Leicester, they don't know what their Liverpool score is. You think Liverpool are going to win against Wolves. That's what everyone predicted. 
So you had to go and score three. Now, up until that point, City weren't exactly absolutely battering. They We were c- controlling the ball, but shots-wise, wasn't doing anything. And then for it to happen in, I believe it was something like five minutes, 40 seconds, to go from completely losing the league to winning it. And I, it's just sort of, it was madness of how it happened. I didn't fully believe it until the third went in. But I think that's just due to what actually that meant. That meant City winning the title. That's why I'd edge it over the Spurs one. But if you went off, non, if you didn't add any external factors to it, the Spurs one probably would be more impressive. But that's but with the added pressure of winning the title, that's why I'd give it to City. Reese, you've probably got the casting vote here. Um, I've actually gone for a different one. The reason for this, I oh, think, right. all the games we've chosen have had a significant impact in some way. You know, you would argue that, yeah, of course, City don't win that. They don't win the league. Spurs don't get that extra goal. Probably don't have that mentality change. And and, and this is the same thinking with this one here. I've actually gone for um, Leeds winning away at Wolves 3-2. Um, I've gone for this because because if you think about it, you know, Leeds Leeds are really their worst at this time, you know, and when Leeds seem to go behind, that pretty much tends to be game over for them. They go 2-0 down away from home. They look dead. They look buried. But Luke Aylin just suddenly lifts this team, you know, and they score three goals in the second half, a kind of stoppage time winner, which, let's be honest, that's the game that keeps them up. You know, you can look at results throughout the season, but there's always that one game where you think if we hadn't got anything from that if we hadn't got the three points got the one point things would have been so different if they would have lost that you know they would have been so so down and devastated it could have just destroyed them and it had seen them implode but I think that game with its I know City is the obvious one but the significance of that for Leeds and where it actually gave them belief that they can do this you know I, I think we saw performances from them again a little bit more later on from that. So I, I've actually gone for that result. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, Reese, I forgot about that game. Um, and I, I'm, I'm happy to concede on that. And the reason is City's comeback, obviously incredible to win them the league. But you expect that from City. You expect City's comeback. You expect City to score three goals in 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever. I have to sort of just to jump in on that. You can't say we expect City to do that because the last time City had come back from a 2-0 deficit was in 2005. But you still expect the, them. You still everyone the shape to come over. Like it's it's not a, something City tend to do. If you looked at the t- when we were two 0 down before the West Ham game, the stat came out we'd been behind two nil. I think it was rough. Let's say roughly fifty times we'd drawn two, lost the rest. So it's not something that is typical. I get what you're saying with a side a team that we are. We can score three in five minutes, but. Yeah, that's sort of much where yeah. up that. It's you were two 0 down though against West Ham, and you'd already come back in that game and got a pen. So like, the it realistically at two 0 down, everyone, no one's going. Oh, Villa are going to win three 0 Everyone's going. Oh, you just know City are going to win somehow. Spurs, you, you know, similarly, you don't expect them to come back there. But Leeds, you absolutely under any circumstances do not expect Leeds away to Wolves two 0 down to go and win three two. It was also against 10 men. I just want to point that out. I'm really fighting for the City case here, to be perfectly honest. No, but... 
Um, for the title, it means more. I, I well, I, on my vote, I'm I'm giving it to the Leeds game because I forgot about that. And uh, sorry, Jamie. Nah. I'm sure City will win another award along the line. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. Like I, I was actually willing to concede and give it to City because yes, it was more important and wasn't too shocked that they came back. But yeah, if we if we're gonna give it to a Leeds one, then that's great. They need to win something, don't they? Come on. <laughs> okay, then. So now we move on to what I suppose we can call the big three. Um, um, big three awards here. So this is where we're gonna give out manager, young player, and player of the year. So let's do start with the manager. Um, of course, this is on. Be prepared to argue this, but I'd give this on domestic performance. Um, so, so there's quite a few few nominees for this. Um, but let's start with let's start with you, Jamie. Who would you say is your manager of the season? Um, well, to be fair, there's definitely a lot of honourable mentions. I think we've said it enough. Patrick Vieira's done great for Palace. I think Thomas Frank's done brilliant for Brentford. And then you got Klopp, who was, uh, well, two points away from doing a domestic treble, which has only been done by City. I'll just add that quickly in. It's only been done once before. Domestic quadruple. I've done the... let, let people forget that, but it's true. You, you, quadruple, you, I don't care. You can say that. That's not me saying that. I, I, I'd agree. But um, with that, it's... So it's hard to put it down because it depends on what you class is more important well obviously in domestic the league's the most important thing and people are going to go oh we expect City to get 90 odd points 90 odd points isn't normal people need to really understand what we're living through at the moment Alex Ferguson won 13 titles Premier League titles he didn't get above 91 once Liverpool just lost the league by getting more than that and then come second, and that's the second time they've done it. So to get where the points that City have got is just ridiculous. And then you've got, obviously, if you ask Liverpool fans, they've got the best goalkeeper, left-back, right-back, centre-back, centre-mid, centre-defensive mid, best player in the world at right wing, best left wing. Technically, they've failed if they're not winning the league. But, you know, I'd like to see some Liverpool fans comment on why they now disagree with that factor because then Klopp should be winning the league. He's got technically the best team. You've heard Carragher say they've got now the best squad. So why haven't they won the league? So then that makes what Pep's done even more impressive. I think to get 90 plus points and win the league, you deserve manager of the year. So I'm going with Pep. Go on, Jordan, because you're shaking your head. But uh, I, 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 just definitely disagree with that. Um, when you're heavy favourites to win the league and then you win the league, you don't get a manager of the award season, especially when you've spent 100 mil. Um, yeah, look, we, we, we can all say how good Pep is. We know, we know Pep's domestic record. He's a phenomenal manager domestically. Um, but the, the reason, I, I still don't agree with Klopp getting it, to be honest, but the reason is it's, it's, it's relative. Pep was expected to win the league, therefore him winning the league and signed a 100 mil player is less impressive. Liverpool were written off to maybe third because of 
you know, AFCON and, and their perceived lack of squad depth. Obviously, in the end, their signings worked out. So that's that's why they kind of got away with it. But again, relatively, it's perceived that Klopp's done slightly better because they were written off. However, neither of those two deserve it. Um, Vieira, again, definitely close in there. But Eddie Howe, for me, is a clear, clear winner of the manager of the season. You've got to, everything has to be in perspective. You know, for example, you know, Newcastle finishing in the top half or going from being favourites to be relegated to surviving by 20-odd points. That is a relatively better achievement than Klopp coming second or Pep winning the league when they're already favourites. Um, when Howe joined, they, they literally were in a relegation battle. And I think I don't even think Howe's couple of first games. I remember seeing some articles going, oh, my God, they're actually going to get relegated. How's this? How's the joke? Da, 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 da. So we didn't even have the perfect start at Newcastle. Few games, few weeks in, they've gone on. We've all seen the form table since January, haven't we? Since he took over, I think Newcastle ended up second behind Liverpool. Like absolutely obscene for five months to be in arguably title-winning form for a Newcastle side that were once battling relegation. So the turnaround's been phenomenal. He's got them believing. They'll really believe next season they can push on and maybe get top half, top you know European places. And um, so as a relative achievement which in my opinion is what deserves the award, um, has to be has to be Eddie Howe. Just want to add, um, it's funny that you've been moaning about these half-season players getting awards, and now you've gone for a half-season manager. Yeah, but, but he's, done, he's done more in that half-season than, than a lot of managers have done all, all season. And still him him taking a, a side in relegation zone, getting them, I don't know where they finished, but it was probably 10th or something like that. 11th. 11th, yeah, so... Yeah, to do that in, in, in half season, if anything, is more impressive. Go on, Reece, what? I'm saying pop, uh, pop, Pep. Pop. Because, because he got, uh, Pep, because he got the job done. We say about him having £100 million, but he's still got to manage those players. Whereas, I know it sounds a bit contradictory, but Eddie Howe wouldn't have done it without his cash injection. Yeah, he, he got that harsh. cash injection in January. He bought good players. He, bought, he made shrewd business. But Newcastle benefited from that takeover from, in that case, I know City have obviously had that takeover, but they've been consistently rich for years. But Eddie Howe benefited from that cash injection. He wouldn't have took the job if those owners were not there. And if, new, if them owners were not there, Newcastle probably would have been in serious trouble. So I don't think what he's done has been that miraculous. He's improved the squad and his signings have been good. I'm not criticising that. But I just think that it's a bit more, bit more short term there. At the end of the day, Pep got the job done when a lot of people doubted him. You know, Klopp still won at Liverpool that would have won them that league, but they didn't get over the line. And I think, I think City got there when it mattered. And I think it's the way that City are winning games where they're digging themselves out of holes that's 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 been a big factor for them. But when you say got the job done. Pep's got the job done as in he's won the league. Uh -huh. But Conte's got the job done because he's got Spurs in the top four. Eddie Howe's got the job done because he's kept Newcastle up. What would you Jesse prefer? Marsh. No, what no, would no, you no. prefer, though, out of all them? You what do you mean? Them? That's, that's ridiculous. You can't say, what would you no, prefer? Not, sort of getting you the can't job compare done Newcastle. I'm not, I'm not they've, all, they've all got their job done, but Pep has done it better in my opinion I think I just think that Newcastle benefit from the Saturday takeover and also Conte was likely always going to get 
get that fourth spot. I know, I know Pep was favourite to win, but it's the way he's done it, I think he deserves that credit for. He gets a lot of criticism. Yeah, he only manages the best teams. But he's still got to manage those players. And if you look at the players he signs, he maximises their potential a lot. And I, I, think, I think he deserves a lot of credit for the way he's been able to do it. You know, And they lost their first game of the season, let's not forget. So he's managed to managed to get them over the line. You know, I think I think he deserves that credit. I do think he's slightly overlooked because of what he's previously done so well in domestically. If he did, if he if let's say he didn't have the Centurions or the ninety eight points, and now he's got ninety three, I'd be thinking with all three go, yeah, he probably is the winner. Obviously, two of us are saying it over you, Jules, but. I think because of what we've previously done and the standard that's been set now, it's not looking as impressive. But when I think why I mentioned Sir Alex Ferguson stat is because of how ridiculous it is to go and get 90 plus points. Before City Centurions, I think there was only three or four, maybe a few, maybe a few more than that, who'd done that in the whole Premier League era. Um like I just think it's a ridiculous standard. And when, so I sort of said it before the City, the final day of the season, whoever wins the league, I think deserves to win it due to the fact they're going to get 90 plus points. Um, I do think you're being a bit harsh on Eddie Howe, Reese. Um, <laughs> I think he has done a phenomenal job. But, I think he's done a good job, but it's the cash injection that's helped him. Yeah, it, signings it, it, don't it, work either. So but you say the cash help. injection, signings don't work immediately. Like no, always, we've players. seen it. We no, said earlier on Grealish yeah. and Lukaku, they don't work immediately. No, they've been good players, but it's not much of a shock that they're out of that situation. You know, if Burnley had that Arabian takeover, they or Middle Eastern takeover, they they would have done the same thing. You know, it. it I don't think they would have got eleventh. I do think, think like to get out of that situation when you have money. I do feel like there are other managers who could have done the job Eddie Howe's done though, because of the cash injection. Maybe not as well, but they could have comfortably got them out of it. it there's all, yeah, it's obviously like ifs and buts and all that, but there still is, you could argue there are managers who could have done that. I still think Eddie Howe's done actually a fantastic job. Yeah. I did forget to mention when I first I do like him. Did it. I just um, think he won't take Newcastle to where they aim to be, though. But he no, has for half a year on be. form. He's matched, he's beat Chelsea's form, he's beat City's form, he's beat Spurs' form in half a season. Like, yeah. that, I think, I don't know, I, I think he's been robbed there. I do think it was technically under City's form, but, like, a point. So, yeah, I get your point with what you're saying. Like, it's phenomenal what he's done. Um, I do agree with that. Um, but... Two to one. I, I still think if you're getting above 90 points and you're winning the league, you deserve it. But... Anyway, yeah. Jordan, we've outvoted you two to one here. Yeah. So, Sorry, Eddie Howe, mate. That's yeah, a disgrace. Up, I'll, send you, I'll send you my own award. <laughs> right, Reese, on to the next one. Oh, blind me. I'm still trying to take in there. That that will spark some, some comments, and I'm sure we're going to get a lot of, you don't know what you're talking about, sort of topics there. All right, and what about young player of the season? Now, the Premier League is littered with young players. Some more overrated than others. Um, I think I think there's a good shout here. I think it could be three different ones entirely here. Um, of course, we have to make sure we're knowing exactly what a young player is. For example, Lingard is in his late 20s. He can't be a young player anymore, and he has not been for the last six years. 
So That's my vote. Let's be real, real here. I would say that 23 is the oldest you could possibly be to be a young player because you start to hit your prime 24, 25, so on. So, of course, agree to disagree, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. So let's start with you, Jordan. Who's your young player of the season? So there was a lot, and and I think we're definitely blessed now as England fans that so many of the phenomenal young players in the league are English. Um, so I'll go through. I'll just quit a few names that were kind of all in contention. Obviously, Trent, phenomenal season. Foden, good season. Uh, Reese James, good season. Mason Mount, good season. Gallagher, Saka. Um, there's so many young English players who have been phenomenal this season. Um, for me, and obviously I'll, I'll back it up with stats because I know what you're all going to say. Oh, you're biased, <laughs> you're biased, you're biased. We know. Um, stats don't lie. Performances don't lie. Um, my young player of the season is Mason Mount. It's not just because I'm a Chelsea fan. It's because he puts in nine out of 10 performances week in, week out. He's got the stats to back it up. You know, he he, he got picked every week under Lampard. And what did everyone say? Oh, he's just love Lampard just loves him. He's his favourite player. Then he got picked over Grealish and Foden in the England squad. And everyone went, oh, Southgate, you don't know what you're doing. And then he plays out every game under Tuchel. And now what? There's no argument now. Every single manager he performs under, he delivers... He puts in nine out of 10 performances. He works hard. He gets assists. He gets goals. Um, so he's got double figures in both goals and assists in the Premier League. So let's not forget that. That's a huge achievement for a young English player. Um, and let me give you a quick stat. So he's the first player since Lampard, Hazard and Mata in a Chelsea shirt to get double goals and assists in the same season. He's also the youngest player to ever do it. So you can put the bias aside, the stacks and, and, and the company of Lampard, Hazard and Mata speaks for itself. He's young, he's English and hopefully he's a Chelsea captain one day. Um, so, yeah, Mason Mount for me. Jamie? Um, look, Mason Mount's a quality player. I think he was very underrated um, probably before the Euros in that season. He, he is a top player. Um, like, there's no doubt about it. Um, technically, I don't think he is the best out of all the ones you've mentioned, but it's not always the technical player who's the best player. Um, I've sort of... The mentions you've made are the ones I were in my contention as well. Obviously, Foden's won it through the Premier League one. Um, I do feel like people have slagged him off just because of stats. Wherever if you watch what he actually does, he definitely is in that conversation and has the, should have had the chance to win it like he did. I've actually gone with a, I've actually gone with Trent. I think it's his last year to do it in under twenty three category. He he's phenomenal to be perfectly honest. He just is. Um, I I don't see. I, I'm very surprised when he wasn't in the Euro. I don't think he was in the Euro squad. I don't know if it was due to injury or not. He should have been definitely in the squad. He is a great creative def creative right-back, which suits Liverpool to a T. Um, he's had a phenomenal season year on year on year. I just think at the moment, at the level he's assessing, he gets overlooked because of how good he's been previously. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Trent, but you can, there are a number of ones that, 
honourable mentions, but I'll give it to Trent. Reese. Yeah, fair enough. Both justified picks. I've actually just gone for someone different. Um, I actually went for Livramento. Is that how you pronounce it at Southampton? Yeah. I just think I've gone for him just because I think I expected Mount to continue being a decent player. Alexander Arnold, I expected to be a decent player. I know we could have put Livermento yeah. in the newcomer, but I think it's the way he's done it where he sort of justifies it because he was brave enough to leave the Chelsea Academy where a lot of players don't. You know, he was brave enough to say, you know what, I want to try on my own two feet here and, and not wait for first time opportunities here. He's gone and he's probably been in Southampton other than Ward Prowse, Southampton's best player. You know, if he won't, you know, he got a horrible injury, which could really do his development in but he's been so so good so consistent and just he looks like he's been a you know playing for a lot longer so i'm going to give it to liberamento just because i think his impact in this sense has been completely different yeah um i think he's been he was i think it was at the start of the season he was looking very good i made sure he was in my fantasy team because he was doing very well to be fair Obviously, um, I don't know when he actually got injured, but obviously it's sort of the hype and such has died down. But when you're injured, you're not going to get much hype, are you? Um, it's. I think it's going to have to come down to you, Reese, with a deciding vote because I don't think Jordan's going to budge on Mount, and I'm not, going to budge, I'm not going to budge to Mount. So if I'd budge to other players, but probably not to Mount over Trent. <laughs> I mean... It'd be interesting to see what other people think and if anyone else agrees with either our statements. I'm still happy to stick Leveramento just because I knew the other two would be better. But Trent and Mason Mount, I would actually I would actually prefer Mount over Trent in this case. I just think Mason Mount, I do think he has stepped up his game a, a little bit more, personally. Trent's been consistently great. <laughs> just a notable mention. I said, I've said it in the group chat, Reese James didn't didn't make the cut obviously because he was out for a few months. But the whole James Trent conversation is obviously one for the England squad later down the line. But same goals and assists combined, Reese James in a thousand less minutes um, and more goals. So I do think the whole Trent thing. I, Trent's obviously been because he's won it all and done it all. He gets a few more plaudits, but Reese James I think deserves a mention as well in that conversation. But yeah, next season, hopefully he's not injured and he, he can win it next season. This is a cruel, cruel decider. In that case, then I'll 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 say Mason Mount just just because of those reasons. And you know, I, I think Trent was always gonna have the same season. Mount's still been good, like he still had what I expected of him, but he has upped that game a little bit more. Um so so I'll give him their dues there. Okay, then finally, then this moves us on to player of the season. So this is obviously the prestigious one, the one that every player dreams of winning. Um, so it'd be nice to know who we think the player of the season is and, of course, why. I'm going to start this one, and I, I'm just going to be boring and obvious, and I'm just going to say Mo Salah, just because I think... I know we expect him to still be good, but he seems to take on that little bit more every single year. And bearing in mind that this guy was signed from Roma and not much was thought about him, every single year he seems to get better and better. It, it gets to the point where it becomes Ronaldo Messi levels of scariness of how good he's been. Um, 
And I think I think he's yeah he's just he's changed Liverpool you know completely. So my my pick Salah, um, but of course feel free to disagree. Everybody, let's start with you, Jamie. So mine's actually going to be a really left field pick here. So first half of the season it was Salah, and I think second half of the season was Kevin De Bruyne. That's sort of how I think it's gone, and that's why I think Kevin De Bruyne has won it with the Premier League. I'm going with someone who's actually been consistent throughout the whole season, and he's not someone who's going to get tons of plaudits due to the position he's in. You two did go against me when I tried to put him in in our team of the season so far, but it's Rodri. I think as a centre defensive midfielder, you're not going to get the plaudits that you do, but throughout the whole season, I can only I can only think of three, three or four mistakes throughout the whole season. This is why I've gone a bit left field because I think it was such hit and miss with both Kevin De Bruyne and Mo Salah. They're the two best players in the league, in my opinion. But when one has one great half, one has another great half, it's hard to give him the whole season. So that's why I've gone with Rodri because it's more... He's done it the whole year, wherever either have done had half missing with That'd De Bruyne be- injured. But De Bruyne injured and then Mo Salah hasn't been the same since he went to AFCON. Yeah, I mean, before we go on to you, George, like, that is an interesting point because, because Rodri, he goes unnoticed on the pitch. And if you go unnoticed, that means you're doing something right. You know, no In one's ever... position, yeah. Yeah, no one's ever like, Rodri this, Rodri that, rubbish. Rodri. He just gets on with it and does it. So he has been an unsung hero. And, you know, if he was an attacker, he'd be getting all the praise. It's as simple as that. So I, I, I do think that's a really good point. Uh, George, what do you think? So, yeah, I expect Jamie's going for a City player. I didn't expect that. Um, for uh, me, again, it was close. KDB, Mo Salah. Again, there's other players in other teams that deserve shout-outs. Um, but for me, it, it's about scoring in the big games it's about deciding big matches um and it's about at the end of the day turning it on when it really matters Mo Salah was, was phenomenal um you know Messi-esque as you said Reese, for probably the first half of the season but the difference is you know when you're playing Chelsea who gets you the winner you know when you're playing a tough away game at Wolves who gets you four goals you know, who delivers in every single game at the end of the season when it matters most. And for me, that is Kevin De Bruyne. Um, he's, you know, we, we all know how good he is on the ball. We know his stats. He gets, I think, 15 goals, 10 plus assists. Um, but for me, we, we know he's world-class, but it's about the big games and it's about title winning, deciding matches and, and performances. And that's for me why, why it's Kevin De Bruyne and not Mo Salah. You saw Mo Salah towards the end of the season drop off. You know, in finals, limping off, getting it. I know, obviously, can't can't slate him for being injured, but he didn't perform in those bigger games towards the end of the season. But Mo, but Kevin De Bruyne did. Uh, in every big game, he got a goal. Um, so yeah, for me, definitely KDB. Yeah, completely fair enough. Like you know, when you put it like that, it does make sense. And De Bruyne does. I I would argue that you know, without De Bruyne, City are a much much weaker side as hard as that is to say the Bruyne's influence on City mentality wise quality wise is so significant Salah's great and if you take Salah out Liverpool will struggle but I also think Liverpool 
don't at the same time. I, I think I think they find goals elsewhere. I, I think De Bruyne just does everything for City. I think it yeah. does show when City have got so many good talent, especially in midfield, he's still the one everyone goes to. Um, I'm happy to concede for another City player. I think my point was fairly valid with, I think it, show, it showed where you've said Salah, you've said De Bruyne, and I've gone with someone in the middle. <laughs> kind yeah. of. To be um, fair, Rodri, Rodri has been phenomenal. And it, it's that classic thing with the Wolves where it's, it's the less sexy players who aren't going to win the Wolves. Yeah. So, like, you know, but yeah, who are we going? KDB? We'll go KDB. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I agree. Well, there you have it. A lot of awards given out there, a lot of debates, a lot of controversy. As always, let us know your thoughts in the comments. Let us know if you agree or disagree. Um, and give us a shout if there's any kind of rogue players who, who we've not even mentioned at all. Um, that wraps us up for this week. As always, like, comment and subscribe. You know the drill. Here we go.